excited to be with y'all this morning. Those are some powerful testimonies, and we'll, we'll see um, the, the magnitude of those testimonies as we go through this morning. Um, for those of you that might be uh, visiting this morning, and this is your first time, my name is uh, Ben Stokes. I'm the associate pastor here at Harmony Hill. Or you might not have recognized me with this sports coat on. It's me, Ben Stokes. Um, and I'm excited this morning um, to be able to um, talk about the continuization of the conversation that we started last week um, regarding invest in the next. And to do that, um, I want to go ahead and share uh, the text that we'll be looking at this morning. And it comes from 2 Timothy uh, 2. And we're, we're going to go through 1 through 7 in that second chapter of 2 Timothy. But to do that, um, I'm going to invite some of my helpers up here. Um, they're going to come and they're going to help me um, with 2 Timothy 1 through 2. So if y'all don't mind coming up, these are big helpers. They're very brave. All right, so why don't y'all just come up here. We can, we can stand right here. Y'all want to stand on these stairs? Y'all want, let's go up here then. Let's do that. I like, where, I like what you're thinking. Let's get on the couch and do it. That's, that's even better. All right, so let's sit on the couch. Good game plan. All right, so they're going to help me with 2 Timothy Verse 2. Now, the first verse says, You therefore be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Can y'all help me out with the second verse? All right. Ready? Go. Also, all right, good job. Thank y'all so much. All right, thank y'all. Y'all can step down, or y'all can stay here all morning if you'd like. But I'd probably step down, though. It gets, it's not as fun as it seems up here. Now, I, thank y'all so much for doing that. And this is the Wyatt family. And the reason why I brought them up here this morning to quote that verse is, if you weren't here last week, um, Pastor Todd uh, kind of issued us a challenge as a church. We have, we have created these booklets, um, the Invest in the Next, for this month uh, for you to walk through. We have devotions for this whole month. And if you accepted that challenge last week, you know that in it, the challenge to memorize that verse is for all of us. And um, so this morning, I just wanted to put uh, these, these children in front of you to go, now you're without excuse. Because no one wants to get outdone by kids, right? And so we can all memorize uh, 2 Timothy 2.2. And also, as we'll see this morning, is, that is this is a monumental text in our conversation regarding invest in the next. Um, it has huge implications with how um, to navigate that and how to, um, how to really live it out in our lives. And so 
For those of you that might have missed last week and not able to be here um, last Sunday, or maybe you're wondering why there's airplanes in the back that are hanging on, that, um, on the pole, or why is there furniture, um, a living room setting up here? Well, last week, um, Pastor Todd actually opened up a family dialogue. or he, We're having a month-long family just, hey, let's just talk as family. And the focus of this month-long conversation is this idea of invest in the next. And invest in the next is a new value here at Harmony Hill. And we're going to unpack that value fully in the fall. But for the purposes of this month, um, we want to focus on investing in the next in regards to our children's ministry. And Pastor Todd, he explained, he really broke this idea of investing in the next into three buckets. He said the first one is our financial giving um, to the children's building and the children's ministry. The second one is this idea of next generation investment. And the third is family investment. So those are the three buckets of this larger conversation of invest in the next. And this morning, I want to talk to you, I want to focus on this next generation investment. Because here's here's what I believe, this is what I see, is that right now in children's ministry, we have arrived at a place where we have built a strong foundation that we can invest, we're ready to invest in the hearts of our children today to be total world changers of tomorrow. And I believe that. And so this morning and for this month, I, I hope and I pray that you see this vision that you capture this vision, and that you find your place in this exciting future that God has for us in children's ministry. And that brings us to the airplanes in the back. So we, have, we want you to make commitments this month. We have on page 10 of that Invest in the Next booklet, you'll see where a lot of different ways that you can get plugged in. And when you decide to, to just kind of stick a stake in the sand and go, all right, I'm doing this. And you're like, hey, I'm going to either give financially or, hey, I'm going to pray for children's ministry or I'm going to join. I'm going to take and assume one of those positions. What we want to do, what we want you to do is go out in the foyer and grab one of those airplanes and just hang it up and clip it on one of those lines. And as you do, you'll see little cuts out, cutouts of clouds. And on those clouds, Um, we have written all of the names of the children that attend in children's ministry. And we're doing this because we want a representation of our church's commitment that we are going to spiritually invest in our children. And so we just want to represent that this month and celebrate the fact that, hey, we understand where God is taking us, and we know that it involves all of us. And so as you make those commitments, I encourage you to do that. And so, as Pastor Todd also mentioned last week, um, he, he mentioned a scale. And he, he kind of pitched this idea of if um, child care is on this end of the scale and a discipleship, like we are intentionally making disciples on this end, right now we're somewhere in the middle of that, of that um, diagram. But what I want to encourage you with this morning is we are not stagnant on that scale. And that's what I want to explain to you this morning of how are we moving forward in this process of 
making and equipping our children to be disciples because we want to be totally on this end of our children's ministry is a place where we make disciples of our children. And really, I was thinking about this, and the only way to really do that is to kind of look back in the history of our children's ministry. Now, I'm not going to deep dive into all of this, but Steve Jobs did once note, he said, the best way to connect the dots in moving forward is you have to look backwards. And this morning, I want us to really connect with what Jesus is doing in our children's ministry and where he has us in the future. All right? So we're just going to look back a few years, all right? We're, we're going to go back 35 years, all right? The year's 1988. And this is the first time that I can remember that I was a first-hand witness. I was an eyewitness to the things that were going on in our children's ministry back then. Now, I know our children's ministry predates that. This is just as far as back as I can remember. I don't know if you know this or not, but I was raised in this church. I was actually brought up in our children's ministry. And so the year was 1988. I was a ripe old age of five years old. All right. Our church was a little different back then. We were up on the hill. I'm guessing there was like 300 members. I might be off on that. But it's a relatively small church. And I remember going to big church. That's, how, that's what we did at first. We, we went to big church. And then we went to children's ministry. And the times were simpler back then, right? I mean, my uh, Sunday school teacher back then, Miss Roach, that was her name. We didn't make that up. Miss Roach, she would teach us Bible Sunday after Sunday on a state-of-the-art, very highly technology, technological contraption that we called a flannel board. And um, so that's what she used to teach us Bible. And then we sang songs, and then we played with rocks and sticks that were gathered for us beforehand. That was children's ministry. And it was highly effective. It was good. I remember those Bible stories that, that teachers invested in me way back then. As we moved through the 80s, um, we, children's ministry, it, um, it was made up of things like sunbeams. And I know that my mom can hear me right now um, as a little kid singing that sunbeam song as loud as I could on stage. Um, we had GMAs for the girls. We had Galileans for the guys. And all of these programs were effective in teaching us the word through programs and through songs and activities. We moved to the 90s and around 93, and we added um, Awanas to our programming on Wednesday nights. And that was, that was a great program that provided um, a good chance for us to know the Word and also to act on the Word. And then in 1996, Harmony Hill started seeing a lot of growth, all right? So in this year, in 96, we actually... Um, started three morning worship services in 96 to, um, this was so we can help with the influx in, in church members. It's a great thing until the early 2000s. And did you know that, and I got this, we actually have a book that describes our history here at Harmony Hill. And um, I looked, and from 2003, 30 years prior to 2003, we had 3,023 people that came to join the church. That's a lot of people. And so with that growth, Pastor John knew, he's like, I have to make some changes in programming. Um, if people are really going to get connected, 
if they're going to stay connected and they're going to enjoy fellowship with each other, it can't just come together and we can't just um, meet in services on Sunday. And so he started this concept called life groups. And we know that life groups is still a vital part of our church today, right? And life groups was, um, it was developed to do just that, to bring us into community, for us to gather around the Word, and for us to live life together. And after this time period, life groups started popping up everywhere. I mean, it was a great thing. It hit a need in our church body. So much so, it, it was so successful um, that it did kind of create some unintentional shifts in children's ministry. And a few of those are this. Up until the time of life groups before, um, we described Wednesday nights and um, Sundays as, as children's ministry. And after life groups, we started to, we, we picked up this term of child care for life groups will be on Wednesday. Now, we know that words matter. And we started for the first time referring to children's ministry as child care for life groups. Now, also, with the success of the life group, so many people wanted to go, and it hit. It is so needed. Um, there was, it became fewer people that wanted to, to volunteer in children's ministry. And so we started seeing that happen. That led to the third thing. Because there was fewer people volunteering in children's ministry, we had to start paying people because of safety requirements to be in the to work and serve in children's ministry. And we have had some great paid workers. I'm not, I'm not taking away from that at all. I'm just telling you the reality of, of what's happened here and, and how we're moving in this point in children's ministry. From that point, um, from the paid workers, because we had so many children coming and so they came so quickly, uh, we didn't, didn't give us the time to really have a strategy for making disciples in our children's ministry. And so these paid workers and the volunteers were kind of operating um, without a clear lens by which to make disciples in the children's um, from. And so they, it was overcrowded, and we saw this shift starting to take place. And we knew that we had to do something about it. We knew that, um, that God wanted something different. And so we, we decided um, about, I think it was in around 2020, so a couple years ago, right? We knew that all of these things were taking place, right? Um, we had to do something different. There had to be some changes. And so we decided that with also this, this pendulum that was kind of now moving, that we wanted to make some intentional changes. So here's what we started to do. Also, we knew that this building was about to open, right? And so we knew that now was the time. So this is what we did. We began to develop training, um, a training manual for new volunteers that, that would come. And this would help them to really connect with the, um, with the kids and the families. Um, we started to have Bible 
Bible questions, like questions that the teachers could use that would complement the Bible time and helped with a more intentional time in the Word. Uh, we reduced the amount of paid workers. Um, and again, that was only to make way for more church members and families to come and serve. And you know what? As of last August, we have had 55 new volunteers that, to come and serve in children's. It's just been a great thing to see God start to move. That is, it is a blessing, truly a blessing. And we're no longer frantically trying to get people to volunteer at the last minute because we started scheduling biweekly and monthly um, rotations. And we've created more positions that will help prevent uh, burnout among our children's volunteers. And we've also invited life groups. This has been a huge success. We've, we have invited life groups to come and partner with our team teachers that are there weekly in the classrooms. And with all of these things started happening, and with prayer, um, we started seeing God move, we move this pendulum over to discipleship. And I know that many of you have, you've served within the last 10, 15 years, and you've seen kind of the, the chaos that, that kind of was resulting, and you've seen the the lack of intentionality that was, that was kind of present in, in the ministry. Now, here's what, I, again, I am just trying to connect the dots here to where we're moving in the future. Here's what I'm not saying. I am not saying that there has not been huge wins in our children's ministry over this past 15 years. There has been. I am simply speaking over the totality of our children's direction. That's all. We have had huge wins in our children's ministry. But now we understand that we have to move there as a whole. Um, Brother John made this statement one time. He said, I don't ever want to make disciples on accident. You know, we don't want to ever accidentally ha have big wins. We want to do it collectively, and we want to do it as a team and as a whole. And let me tell you, it is crazy how God works. Because at the time when all this is happening, when some changes are starting to be made, like when we, we realize, we understand what's going on, we started making these changes, we knew, the leadership team knew that, okay, we got to get our church together. We got to explain these things, what are happening and how it's happening. So we're going we're gonna to take this month, the month of January, and we're going to just have a family talk. But we knew that there was one thing missing, so we started praying. We did not have a children's minister. We didn't have a leader. And did you know that right before this month started, God brought to us a children's minister with a 20 years of experience who shares the same heart, same value for children's ministry, and he started last Wednesday. Isn't that amazing? Amen. So what I, I say all that this morning to say the foundation's in place. The leader is here. And the time to really push on this gas pedal of investing in our children is now. But this is why we're looking to you this morning. We're looking to you because God is looking to you. And if we're going to really join in, if we're going to really get behind this, we're going to have to we're going to have to come together and we're going to have to really take our place to invest in the next. Because I talked to Jerry, um, Jerry Parmentier. He, he helped me, and, and we walked through. I was like, what is the, what's the vision? 
Like, what are we after? And I shared some things, and he shared some things. Can I just share with you the direction where we're headed? Because I want you to see this. I want you to get excited about this. He said this. He said, first, we're committed to relationships. We're going to strive to help our children to understand their relationship with their creator and one day savior. We want them to know that God loves them. We, we want them to know God personally. And he said, we want our children to grow in their relationship with their peers, to love others well. And we're committed to strengthening our relationships with those that God places to guide our children, and that being parents, leaders, and teachers. Secondly, we are committed to seeing children and their families know and understand what it means to experience life in Christ together. We want to shepherd our families to help their children make the most, most important decision they'll ever make in their lives. And thirdly, we're committed to our volunteers. We're going to equip them. We're going to effectively, to effectively invest in the next. We want to love them along the way, and we want to appreciate and value what they're doing. And lastly, we're committing to making this new building, our zone, a learning zone that demonstrates the love of Christ in a fun, loving, age-appropriate way. This is an exciting vision. I mean, this is something that I want to be a part of. This is something that I want to do. This is something that's worth giving my life for in order to see the, the kids in this day right now to be total world changers in tomorrow. And if we're going to really do this, we're going to need a guide. Like We're going to need some rules of engagement here because this is big. And I believe that that guide is found in 2 Timothy, um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 7. So I Turn there um, now, if you will, because I want us to see where our power comes to invest. I want us to see how do we invest, where we get that power, then the philosophy of how we invest in the next, and then the process of investing in the next, and then I want us to see the results or the product of investing in the next, and then we're going to see what it's going to cost us to invest in the next. And this letter is so appropriate for our conversation this morning. Because Paul actually wrote Timothy. This is at the end of Paul's life, okay? So he is writing Timothy to say, hey, here's what you do. When I'm gone, I want you to strive to invest in others. This is what I want you to do. This is the topic of our day. And he said, but first, before you do that, you need to, number one, know where your power to invest comes is coming from, and that's in your outline. Let's read verse 1. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul starts out by saying, Son, if you want to do this, if you're really wanting to do this, and just hear Paul's words to us today, like if you're really wanting to do what Jerry is describing in in the leadership's heart in this, you're going to need to have some strength. It's going to take strength. It's going to take all of you. And this word, be strong, it comes to us in the, in the Greek form. It has a present tense, a passive, and an imperative. And what that means is this. It's a command to be strong. We have to be strong. All right? It also means that we need to continually be strong, but it also, the imperative mood tells us we can't be strong. All of those ideas are wrapped up in that be strong. And so what that's telling us this morning is that this be strong 
It's not something that like we can, hey, we can pull ourselves up from our bootstraps type strength. That's not going to help us here. No, in your outline, you see your power to invest is not tied to what you are able to do. It's not tied in our strengths. It's not found in us. Now, I might, I might be naive this morning, but I genuinely believe that the majority of us in this room this morning, we want to invest in children. Like, who doesn't want to raise the next generation of world changers? Like, we want to. But we heard this in our testimonies this morning. It's like almost in the majority of us, there is just this, this voice deep down. It's just we hear it and it says, you're not good enough. You can't do it. Do you know what all you've done in the past? You can't invest in anyone. You can't change people's lives. And we hear that, and it stalls us out. And then it slows us and keeps us from ever making the commitment to invest in the next. Can I just share a quick story with you about a guy who, at first, he, he received Christ at 10 years old. Then, after he received Christ... He was not raised um, in a godly family. Um, He was not taught the things of Scripture. And so his life went down a path um, that was was not godly. Fast forward, this guy, um, in adulthood, he's married at this point, no kids. He starts to look around and he sees that all of the people in his life um, that he loves and that he really respects, they go to church. They're Christians. So him and his wife, they start to go to church. Then he starts to, like those truths began to awaken that which he began um, to see when he was 10 years old. Rededicated his life. It's just like, I know that I was saved back then, but I'm ready to run this race. Came to church every day. And he had a past. He had a past. Came to church every day, soak, every time the doors were open, soaked it up, right? And then he started reading the Bible on his own. And he was just growing in Christ. And then his pastor came to him and said, have you ever considered teaching fourth graders? And everything in this guy was like, you got the wrong guy. Not me. He said, but I had to do it. Is what this guy said. It was something inside of me that said I didn't have a choice. And so with his fear and with all his, his questions, how will it look, all knowing that he, he doesn't know the word like most kids do or most people do. Actually, he got in, so he said yes. He's in the classroom teaching. And many times he actually asked some other kids, like, hey, could you, can you help me with this passage? Can you answer this other kid's question? But he did it. And he would say things like, don't, don't ever give up in the faith. Even when, you're, when sin is around you, don't give up. When others around you make fun of you because you're a Christian, don't listen to them. Did you know that that man is named Kerwin Smith? That he's an elder today? And the kid that he impacted was me? I was in his class? The pastor that asked him to teach fourth grade is sitting right on the front row. He could have let his past, he could have let 
um, all the anxieties that he has in him. He could have had the uncertainties of what it's like to teach. But he said yes, and he went across the line. And, you know, now me and, me and Kerwin, we serve on the elder team together. And Kerwin was in a group of many people that were investing in me in that time. And it wasn't just Kerwin. There were so many others. While Brother John was preaching, I was hearing it at home. I was hearing it in children's ministry. I was hearing it. was a group effort. And that's, what's, that's what it literally means. In the presence of others, we have, this, we have this idea. It's plural. And so there's many people coming together to, um, in this process of discipleship, and of discipleship. So my point this morning is if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm not good enough, I can't do it, you are a great candidate for God's grace. Because the best people, the most qualified people, to invest in the next are those that have learned to rely on Christ's power. Because they know that the power to invest, and this is in your outline, must be tied to what already has been done through the work of Jesus. When we're daily living in in communion with Jesus, when we're knowing him personally every day, he starts to awaken this in us that we know that we were created to do Good works. See, we, it comes from us being in Christ. As we are being in Christ, that will lead us to Christ-like doings. Because as the truth in your outline, you see that we invest because Jesus first invested in us. Our power comes from God's initial investment in us through Jesus Christ. And I think Anna said it on the videos, is that she knows that and she sees that with a room full of two-year-olds, the power doesn't come from her. The patience doesn't come from her. It's as she looks at Christ and as she sees how much patience that Jesus has had with her, that she can have patience with everyone else. We all get our power from the one that invested in us first. And so we see where our power comes from. And so next, I want us to move to the next verse, and I want us to see the philosophy behind investing in the next. And also we'll see the process and the results. And so verse 2 starts, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. God's investment plan is this. Paul invested in many others. Right? He invested in the many, so they were there, and then he invested in Timothy, and all the while all these people are confirming the truth to Timothy, and it's in that, that sphere that we get our philosophy behind invest in the next, and it's in your outline. The philosophy behind invest in the next is the preservation of the gospel by passing it off to those who will in turn pass it off to the next generation. And isn't this exactly what we're after in children's ministry? Isn't it? Like, we want you to pass off what God has invested in you to others. And it's that simple. We can make it so hard, like, what is it that we need to do? And this is truly the, the philosophy, philosophy behind it. Because if we don't do that, can you imagine what our church will be like in 10 to 20 years? Where are the leaders in our life groups going to be? Where are the leaders in women's ministry going to come from? Where are the the next deacons going to come from? The elders, the missionaries. So much is at stake in our investment. And think about it. The reason why you have 
the gospel. The reason why you know Jesus is because someone prior to you took what they knew and passed it off to you. That's how we know Christ. And that is the, that's the philosophy behind invest in the next. And as I mentioned, the phrase in the presence of many witnesses is plural. They weren't, they didn't just stand there and see what was going on. They weren't passive. They were testifiers to to the truth. And so, again, I mentioned on page 10 of our Invest in the Next booklet, you can see all of these positions that are open. And this is truly what we are after here is a team effort. You'll see things like greeters. You'll see things like classroom uh, helpers. You'll see things like diaper crew for the few, the call, the diaper crew. I mean, the, we're trying to get encompass a huge gamut of volunteers, greeters, hosts. We have a we have a calm down crew. Maybe you're just maybe you're just a a big muscular guy that could just scare kids. You're needed. <laughs> right, so we have kids that are not always obedient. Sometimes they have to step out. If you could just scare the mess out of them. Just stand there and just walk down the halls with them for a minute until they calm down. We all have a role to play here. We all serve as testifiers. All those things, when a, when a, a greeter smiles at a mom as she's walking in, um, as she's just gone, do, gone through nine kinds of you-know-what trying to get here, and she sees a smile, and she knows that, hey, that encourages her that that was worth it. Your smile is a testimony to the Bible story that they're going to hear. We all work together. This is a team effort, and it's something that we're called to do as a church. So we see the philosophy behind investing in the next. And so if Timothy is going to preserve this truth by passing it off, well, then who is it that he passes it off to? And we see that in the continuization of um, 2 Timothy 2 when it says, entrust these to faithful people. Entrust these to faithful people. The process begins in Timothy by entrusting this word into other people. And this word entrust, it, it carries the idea that you deposit something for safekeeping. And so as Timothy was walking around, he was guarding the truth, but he was also looking for people to deposit the truth in. And these, the qualities that made these people faithful was that they were trustworthy, they were dependable, and they were reliable to carry out this ministry of investing in the next. And when he found those people, he invested in them by means of sharing the word with them. He, um, he modeled it. He prayed with them. He trained them. And all of this is described as a disciple-making process, right? We've seen this go on. And also, it's simply, as you'll see in your outline, it is allowing what has been invested in us to overflow into the lives of others. We have been blessed with faithful teachers in our children's ministry. Did you know that we have eight teachers in um, children's ministry that have served in the, in the time frame of 20 to 30 years? 20 to 30 years, we have eight of those, faithfully investing week after week, pouring into kids, depositing what they have been given into our children. We have, we have um, 72 teachers that have served on the range from 2 to 19 years. 
And so we have a, a history of faithful teachers here at Harmony Hill, and that is a huge blessing. And what I, what I want us to look at is the deposit. So what is the result? What's going to be the result of all our faithful teachers? The results of these faithful teachers is seen in the continuization of, of verse 2 where it says, Who will be able to teach others? There's four generations uh, in view here. There's Paul, there's Timothy, there's faithful teachers, and there's others. The ultimate result of our um, investing in the next and investing in others is that other people will get to drink from the wellspring of life that, are, that is raised up in us that we get to drink from every day. Our result is others. And did you know that Christ followers, I believe, they understand that the most important thing that they can do is leave behind something really, truly valuable when they're gone. Now, what did Jesus leave behind when he was gone, when he left? What are the two things that he left behind that last? He left his word, his teachings, and his church transformed people. That's the only two things that Jesus left behind. It wasn't no house, no money, no wife, no kids. He left his word and his disciples. And you can always tell what someone values by what they leave behind when they're gone. And here's an encouraging thought that dawned on me um, a few years ago. When, when I pass away, and no one past my immediate family is going to, is going to know me, who I was, probably, or what I was about. The only thing that's going to carry on is the spiritual investments that I make in other people. That's it. It's going to be the words of God that I cultivated in others and the disciples that I have left behind. Now, I found this out um, really early um, in life uh, because my, my grandmother was a prayer warrior. My mama was. And um, I saw this truth um, when she passed away. And she was a prayer warrior. She prayed daily for her friends, her family, and her church. And um, the day that she passed away, it was like I heard a voice um, in my ear saying, your, gra- your memo's gone. Who's going to intercede now? And it was on that day that I made the commitment that I was going to pray um, for my family and my church. And I was able to do that because of what my memo left in me. And that's something that I pass on to my family and also to the guys that I disciple now because the product, and this is in your outline, the product of investing in the next is that warriors of faith, warriors for the faith who battle for the hearts of men's soul. Now, is that not the result of what we want in investing in our children, right? Do we not want to see that? Were we raising up warriors for him? We're... we're we're investing $6.5 million, $6.5 $6. million into a building. That's, that's By any accounts, that's a lot of money. So what we're not doing, we're not raising $6.5 million to have the nicest facility, um, the most state-of-the-art place where we can provide daycare um, for our church members in our community. Rather, we're spending $6.5 million as a training ground where we will house our kids, we will train them to be the next warriors that will fight for the souls of the people in our community and people beyond our community. That's exciting. 
That's something that I want to be a part of. And I hope what you're catching in our text this morning is that buildings don't make disciples. People make disciples. Disciples make disciples. And so while this building will, will come, we will open this building. It will take people to adequately invest in the next. And that's done through relationships. And so that means we can know that there's going to be hardship. We can know that once you step across the line and you say, yes, I'm going to do this. Yes, I'm going to agree. Yes, I'm going to get invested. It's going to cost us something. There's going to, there, it won't be rose, just a bed full of roses all the time. You're going to start off loving it because of their smiles, and it's going to be great. And then one of the kids is going to lose their minds in front of you, or a volunteer is going to say the wrong thing, or things aren't going to go the way that you want. And then you're going to be tempted to quit. But what you're going to need to remember is Galatians 6, 9, is that we are guaranteed a harvest, that all the while we're working, God's working behind the scenes. And he's doing something in the lives of these kids. This investment strategy that's laid out before us this morning, um, to be faithful, to invest in the next and invest in others who will one day invest in others also. And the truth is, is the disciple-making process is simply making disciples that make disciples. Now, have you ever considered this? And I get this question as a pastor a lot, is that the greatest thing, what, what can I do in my life? That's what a lot of people ask. I don't know what God wants me to do in my life. I just don't know what to do. Have you ever considered that the most important thing that you can do in your life is invest in a future leader? Because when you do, you're going to find what others have found, the joy of when you invest in someone, invest your life, and they start doing the same. And you know that you are part of something great. Which brings us to what it, the price of investing in the next. And I'm not going to deep dive in this for time's sake, but it's going to cost us. We have to remain, this is found, and you can read this later, in 3 through 7, focused as a soldier, disciplined as an athlete, and um, hardworking as a farmer. Those are the three things that, we, that we're going to have to hold with us if we're going to adequately invest in the next and be effective in it. And what I hope that you caught this morning is this. This is what I wanted to accomplish this morning. I wanted you to feel the movement of where we're headed in children's ministry. I, wanted, I want you to see the places and how you can get involved. I want you to know that um, there will be bumps in the road. But I hope you see what we're committed to. I also hope that you catch the whole philosophy. We're simply asking you to pass off to the next generation what God has entrusted to you. Which leads us to the conclusion. There's really only one question at the end of a talk like this. How will you live your life? Will you live as a spiritual consumer or a spiritual investor? Will you come to church with the attitude and the mentality of what can someone give me? What can I learn? What can I take away? Who can help me? Who can do this for me? Or will you live as a spiritual investor that says, I can feed myself? Like I can take the message, I can do. Now what can I pour in others? Because this is truly what God wants for our lives, is to invest in, other, in others. That's why we're here. Then this is the work that God has called us to, which is why it truly is an investment of a lifetime.
Now, I want to encourage you as families to continue uh, reading your Invest in the Next booklets, continue in those devotions. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. If you have any questions on how to get involved, you can meet uh, me in the Next Steps room, and I would love to get you connected. I'm going to say a prayer, and then there will be some announcements after. God, thank you so much for this day, and I thank you that you first invested in us. God, that you um, you've loved us so much, you came for us, but you have expected and are expecting us to in turn share what has been given to us. So I pray that you would lead us in this journey, lead us to invest well in others, that we would make a life commitment um, to be faithful to that end in Jesus' name.